We have a prayer ministry guide in our bulletin. Uh, Christine and Paul are coming back from Stone Harbor, I guess, today. And uh, so they're not here. And Eleanor is here. She has all the information that we need. She's. <laughs> Does anybody have anything that they need to add to the prayer ministry guide? Any updates? As we usually do, we pray for various churches in our, our division, our district, and as it works out, we're praying for Elizabethtown Church of the Brethren today. So, uh, and who's praying for us? That's always an interest. Uh, Wilmington, Wilmington, Delaware. So they're praying for us. Uh, do you want to give a, a, a fair report? It was fair. It was fair. <laughs> did you uh, did you clean up? Did you get all the ribbons? Nobody nobody else got anything. Who wants to say, tell us about Owen? Lebanon Fair was, and now it's over, and now we can sleep. <laughs> there was a lot of late nights and early mornings. We tried to do a little bit better, but you know, the kids had fun, and it was it's always a good time. They did they did okay. I mean, I went and got first in showmanship, which was good, and um, Megan got first with her cow again. So that's great. Yeah. That's great. It's fair. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of good memories are made and and time time uh, fellowshipping and just being with family and friends. And Mike even came down to see us this year. So that I was, had a great time. He was like, wait, which ones are yours? And we said this side and this side. <laughs> yeah, they had quite a few. Between the cousins. And so our two and then how many other cousins showed? There was 12, 12 animals there in our in our Bumgardner clan. <laughs> so five other cousins. So seven kids. So was that with you guys? So seven seven different children with all their animals. Yeah. So and of course the dads, yeah. uncles that helped too. Well, like and we, oh, yeah, and we saw Luke there. Luke came to visit us. Oh, did Luke uh -huh. come? Is that right? <laughs> yes. Oh, Luke, that's wonderful. Luke visited us at the fair and, and family because, I mean, he didn't drive himself there, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, the, the, uh, Amy said that I was there, and that was really great. You know what I liked most? I liked seeing the people, and the kids were just having a ball. They were just all all smiles and... and uh, yeah, it was, you're right. It was just like one big family, and I really enjoyed it. I didn't go over to any of the rides or anything like that. I just just looked at the animals and walked around and and talked to some people, and and uh, it was just fun. It was it was a good family experience. Yeah, if you've never been over there, that's it's really a nice fair. They do a good job. Nancy, you had your hand up. 
I don't have an update, but I know that the Chickies congregation would appreciate prayer as a result of the annual conference. They're considering withdrawing oh. from the Church of the Brethren, and they're going to have a meeting in, in okay. August and a vote. Okay. Okay. Anyone else? You can see that uh, Gary and Shirley are all smiles because they have family here with them today. That's wonderful. Welcome. And we do have uh, an anniversary. And uh, Linda, how many years? 37 years. That's wonderful. And uh, Jim said that... Uh, if Walter knows the anniversary waltz, if he would play that, they would do the anniversary waltz. I'm only joking. <laughs> Don't start. And Tina has a birthday coming up. So 28 years for Tina and a few years for Jim and Linda. Why don't we sing before we go into prayer? Why don't we sing happy birthday to... To Tina because she said we certainly don't want to forget that. Okay. All right. Happy some things to pray about and why don't we do that at this time let's pray together Heavenly Father thank you for the opportunity to come to you in prayer thank you for all the people that are here in this congregation a big Christian family thank you for fun times together thank you for county fairs that bring families together and, and uh, where people can just enjoy themselves. We know that you like your people to be happy. And whenever we have family together and we have you at the center of our family, how happy can we be? It's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. And we have, we have concerns, Lord. We have people listed on our prayer ministry guide paper that need our prayer. There's so many that it's, it's difficult to list them all and point them all out, but you know who they are. And we have individuals in our congregation that are praying for various individuals. Thank you for the ability to do so. We pray for Chickie's congregation that they will Choose the right path to proceed with that congregation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for their ministry. Thank you for their leadership. Thank you for their, their individuals, their guidance, their, their leaders. And today, Lord, in our list of individuals to pray for is Lisbethtown Church of the Brethren, another local congregation, Lord, that's large. Help them to discern the proper path for them to follow. We, we 
we pray for them that they will seek you, seek your face, and that they will follow what scripture tells. Thank you for that congregation, Lord. Thank you for the influence they have in the community. Help them to stay true to your word. Thank you, Lord, for all you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation. And we pray that we will have an influence, that we will be your light on a hill, that people will come to your guidance, your loving care, and that we can be of help in that manner. Thank you, Lord. Bless birthdays, bless anniversaries, Lord. And thank you for having us celebrate and acknowledge them. Thank you, Lord, and we pray this in your Son's holy name, Jesus Christ, our coming King, our wonderful Savior. Amen. Yeah. Are you going to go in the nursery with Mommy? Okay. Okay, then you must be quiet. I will see how long this lasts. <laughs> well, good morning. good morning. Yes, yes. Um, well, we had a great we had a great time at the fair. We were there several nights. I think Luke was there almost every day. Wow. Um, yeah, Kayla's Kayla's parents live just you know two or three baseball throws from the fairgrounds, so he was there quite a bit and. Yeah, it was a good time. We we enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. yeah, yeah. We played games. I think it was Thursday night. We played the carnival games, and he has five or six of those blow up hammers. I don't know if anybody saw those. <laughs> he's got, he's whacking them around. Anyway, um, so I began preparing this sermon. As you all know, we're in John chapter five about two weeks ago, and on the Sundays that I preach. You know, I usually go home, and at some points on that day, I begin reading the next passage in John's Gospel in preparation for my next sermon. And, you know, I told you before, I've been taught a defined method for sermon um, preparation, delivery, and, um, and I've used that method on every Sunday that I've been here since January. But today, I'm trying something new. <laughs> and so... Hopefully by now, as Mike said, um, you've seen the outline that I put into scripture, or excuse me, into the bulletin. And so before we get into the sermon and looking at the outline, I do want to say that my outline is not perfect, okay? Um, it is not on par with the level of scripture. It is scripture. Um, I did not change the words or change the word order in any way, but uh, I just want you to know that this is not a perfect outline. Um, it's just simply a way for me as I'm preparing to grasp the concepts that are being talked about in Scripture. And as I have studied it for the past two weeks, I just kind of felt it was important to preach from it um, today. And so my hope is, you know, that we'll be able to study God's Word together this morning and using this outline and then completing the sentences. And so if we do this again, I will try to lay it out maybe a bit better. 
So, and I didn't really communicate with Sue too well on that. So, anyway, shall we begin? Let's pray before we start. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for sustaining us through the night. Thank you for the air in our lungs and the beating of our hearts. And uh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We have come to hear what you would like to say. We've come to learn. We've come to worship. And we invite you to meet with us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so picking up right where we left off. Okay, Jesus, he left Cana to attend a feast that was in Jerusalem. As he entered Jerusalem, he came to the Bethesda pool complex. The pool complex was full of people who were suffering from certain ailments, diseases, illnesses. And Jesus approached a man who had been coming to the pool for quite some time, 38 years to be exact is what John tells us. Jesus healed this man, and and then that man who was healed was questioned by the Jewish authorities, and eventually the Jewish authorities learned that Jesus was the person who healed him. They were incensed that Jesus had broken the law of the Sabbath by healing that man, and at some point they found Jesus, and they began to question him. And so what we're reading in John 5, 19 through 29, is the response of Jesus to the Jewish authorities. And so I want you to imagine a doctor working beyond his or her regular shift hours so that a patient who was deathly ill might become well. And after that patient became well, everyone was in awe that the doctor had the ability to figure out what was wrong and was able to find the cure for that patient who seemed to have no hope. And then imagine that that doctor's supervisor came into his office and said, Doctor, why did you work past your regular shift hours when you know that we do not approve of overtime? This is a big problem, doctor. And we're considering throwing you out of our hospital because you have broken this rule. Jesus healed a man who was laying underneath the colonnades of the Bethesda pool complex. And it's not hard to imagine that people were in awe of what Jesus did for that man. But when the Jewish authorities found out that Jesus was working on the Sabbath, they were mad. And they went out seeking Jesus. Were they going to congratulate Jesus? Well done, sir. No, they seem to have completely overlooked the fact that a paralyzed man had regained the use of his arms and legs. They were going out to confront Jesus because he had performed work on the Sabbath. And we're not told exactly what the Jewish authorities said to Jesus. Rather, we are told they were persecuting him because of what he was doing and seeking to kill him because he was calling God his own father and making himself equal with God. Making himself equal with God. The son is equal with the father. That's the sermon title that is printed in the bulletin, and that is the truth that we want to focus on this morning. The son is equal with the father. And so starting in verse 19... You may follow along by looking at your diagram if you would choose or if you would like to. 
Again, the Jewish authorities have found Jesus. They are questioning him because he healed a man on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus was not disrespectful to the religious leaders, but he also did not back down. Jesus did not run from confrontation. There are many instances in Scripture where Jesus stands resolute in the face of opposition. And some of the contemporary ideas of Jesus being weak and soft-spoken or someone who would never say anything to upset another person are not consistent with Scripture. Our Lord was loving. He was respectful. He was obedient. But He also spoke the truth. And sometimes people do not want to hear the truth. And when they do hear it, they get very upset with you. John, I think you mentioned that this morning. He was bold and brave by doing the will of God perfectly, by being nailed to a Roman cross and rising victoriously from the grave over death. And so I'm going to read verse 19. And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son does likewise. The Son can do nothing of His own accord. Translated literally from the Greek, that phrase means that comes from Himself. The Son can do nothing that comes from Himself. The idea is that the Son can do nothing on His own authority or His own initiative. And, And I will admit that I do not often think about Jesus in terms of what He cannot do. But here Jesus is saying that He is unable to do anything of His own accord. Now we're not told the specific questions that the Jewish authorities were asking, but perhaps they said to Jesus, what do you think you are doing? And Jesus responded as He so often would by not directly answering the question at the level that it was given, Rather, he goes well beyond what any of his accusers were thinking. The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only accept, in other words, what he sees the father doing. In other words, I'm not doing anything by myself. Rather, I'm only doing what I see the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son does likewise. Jesus is not saying that he is incapable of doing anything. Rather, he is only capable of doing whatever the Father does. And so the first sentence that's there on the right side of the page is that Jesus came to do the will of the Father. So let's go down to verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing and He will show Him greater works than these so that you may marvel. There are three actions taking place in this verse that I've laid out here in the diagram. The Father loves the Son. The Father shows the Son everything that He is doing. And the Father will show the Son greater things. And so in verse 19 we learn that the Son sees what the Father is doing, 
And in verse 20, we learn that the Father shows the Son what He is doing. And so Jesus is telling us that there is a deep communion and relationship that the Father and Son excuse me, share with one another. And you will see greater works than these so that you may marvel. And Jesus is saying, if what you just saw was impressive, wait until you see what God is about to do. And so what greater work is he talking about? Well, I think Jesus has in mind his death and resurrection so that we might have life. A few weeks ago we read, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The will of the Father is not that we might be condemned. Rather, the will of the Father is that we might have life. Verse 21. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. In the Jewish world, it was God alone who had the power to raise someone from the dead. Jesus says that same power resides in himself. The equality of the Father and the Son is emphasized again in verse 21. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus has the same authority and power. He is the image of the invisible God. He came to do the will of the Father so that we might have life. And so the third sentence, if you will, on the, that parallels the diagram is God is the source of life and life is only found in the Son. So we're going to go down to verse 22. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. The one not honoring the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. The idea here is that the Father has entrusted to the Son all judgment. What is the judgment? Well, remember chapter 3, verse 19 of John's Gospel. The judgment is this, Jesus says, the light has come into the world. But people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. We have walked away and disobeyed God. Paul says in Ephesians, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. In other words, Everyone already stands condemned before God because of what we have done. We're not waiting to find out if we are condemned. Rather, we already know that we are condemned because of our trespasses and sins. Jesus says he came to save us. Whoever believes in the Son is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because that person has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. 
And so remember how it began. Adam and Eve were living in fellowship with God. But they chose to be defiant. And thus we read in Romans chapter 5 that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men. The wages of sin is death. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It is by means of grace that you have been saved. We have walked away and disobeyed God. I don't think anybody in here would argue with that. The world is longing for a way to be reunited with its Creator. And the only way to the Father is through the Son. Flip my page here. Go down to verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one hearing my word and believing him who sent me, notice the conjunction there, is having eternal life. He does not come into judgment. Rather, he has passed from death into life. I love this verse. Notice the three main actions that are taking place. Is having. He does not come. He has passed. Is having eternal life. He does not come into judgment. Rather, He has passed from death into life. What kind of person is having eternal life? What kind of person does not come into judgment? And what kind of person has passed from death into life? Jesus answers these questions by describing those persons at the beginning of the verse. They are the ones that are hearing the words of Jesus Christ and believing in God the Father who sent Him. The Greek word for hearing, it's not just a simple hearing, a noise. It's a paying attention to, a heeding to, being obedient to. The phrase, He does not come into judgment, refers both to the present and the future. The one hearing and believing is not presently condemned and will experience no condemnation in the future. That is comforting. The one hearing my word and believing him who sent me is having eternal life. He does not come into judgment. Rather, he has passed from death into life. He has passed from death into life. The Greek word translated as he has passed, it means to cross over, to move from one place to another, a change in one's state or condition. The word from implies separation. The fireman pulled a man from out of the burning building. That man was separated from the burning building. 
In the same way, the one hearing the words of Jesus Christ and believing in God the Father who sent Him, that person has been separated from death. We have been pulled from the fires of condemnation. We have crossed over death into life. We have moved from death into life. We have permanently moved from the realm ruled by death to the kingdom where life is supreme. All of this is possible because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And so the one believing the Son, I put down on the right side there, is having life. The one not believing the Son is not having life. Is this unfair? Why is the one not believing in the Son not having life? Remember, because we already stand condemned before a holy God due to our sin. We have already walked away from God. We have not lived our lives according to His standards. But it was because of God's great love for us that His Son came into the world not to condemn us, rather in order to save us from that condemnation. It's a free gift, says Paul in Romans chapter 5. As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Jesus came down from heaven on a rescue mission. He came to rescue us. Verse 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, in fact, it's now here, when the dead will hear, what will they hear? The voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. An hour is coming, says Jesus. In fact, that hour is here now. What does Jesus mean when he says hour? Well, he's not describing a period of 60 minutes. Rather, the word is more of a euphemism for a period of time. And so he asked the question, well, what period of time is Jesus describing? Well, he's describing a period of time when the dead will hear. The dead will hear his voice now. And the dead are not primarily those in the graves. Rather, the dead are persons who have walked away from God. And because of their sin, they cannot hear Him. Remember, sin has separated us from God. And Jesus is saying there's a period of time coming when those who have walked away, they will hear My voice. And this hour that Jesus is ushering into the world will allow the dead to hear Him. What will they hear? And we answered that just a moment ago. The voice of the Son of God, the very words of Jesus can command life. Remember just a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus healing the official son from Capernaum. Jesus just said, go, for your son will live. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. What does this mean? It means we can experience the eternal kingdom of God today. How do we do that? By confessing our sins, 
For if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 What happens to us when we confess our sins? We are raised to a new kind of existence by being born again from above, being born of water and spirit. These things that John is laying out, he's building this case of what Jesus has done for us. And so on the right side of your paper, life is the first blank space. Life in the kingdom of God can be experienced now. Verse 26. Just as the Father has life in Himself, in the same way, He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. Just as the Father has life in Himself in the same way, He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. Life is found in the Father, and He has eternally decreed that the Son should also have life in Himself. Neither the Father nor the Son is dependent on anything outside of Himself. And so the equality between Father and Son, it drips from the pages of Scripture. Remember how John began this Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is equal with the Father. Verse 27, And He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. And the Father gave the Son authority. And so he asked the question, for what purpose did the Father give the Son authority? And the purpose is to execute judgment. Why does he execute judgment? Because he is the Son of Man. Jesus is most certainly referencing the vision of Daniel chapter 7, which says his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, has come into the world to save the world. He is the second Adam, as Paul talks about in the book of Romans. The first Adam failed to live according to God's standards, and as a result, death spread to all men. The second Adam came to fulfill the law of God and to bring salvation to those who are hearing His Word and believing in the One who sent Him. He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ has done what we could not do. He fulfilled the law of God and offered His life as a sacrifice for our sin so that we might have a way back to God. 
He is the son of man because he is our representative. He is our representative before God. He took the punishment on our behalf. He stands before God on our behalf. He loves each of us and he offers to us new life, new spiritual life. So let's go to verses 28 29. We'll wrap up here. Do not marvel at this, because an hour is coming. What kind of an hour? It's an hour when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus moves from the present time to a point in the future now when every person who has lived on this earth will hear his voice. Some will rise to the resurrection of life and some will rise to the resurrection of judgment. And the spiritual reality is that there are only two possible destinations, life and death. Any person who thinks that there will be more time to confess and honor Christ as Lord is, is mistaken. The time is now. And for those of us who have made this confession and commitment to Christ in this lifetime, we're commanded to tell others. We're commanded to tell them that the judgment has already been rendered. We are guilty because we have walked away from God. And Jesus came to save us. And anyone who comes to the light in this lifetime will experience the resurrection of life. Those persons are having eternal life already. We are having eternal life already. But anyone who does not come to the light in this lifetime will not experience the resurrection of life because they are condemned already. Life is only found in the Son. So Jesus came to the Bethesda pool complex and he found that the place was full of sick persons. Is this image a coincidence? I don't think so. This image characterizes the state of the world which Jesus came into. Jesus came down from heaven to a world full of sick persons. And just as he healed that man from his physical ailments and gave him new physical life, in the same way, Jesus came to, hear, to heal the spiritual disease that has infected all of us, our world, and to give us new spiritual life. How can he do that? Because he is the Son of Man. He stands on our behalf. He took the punishment on our behalf. And because he is God. He existed in the beginning. He existed in the beginning with God. And he is God. He's God in the flesh. The Son is equal with the Father. He came to do the will of the Father, and the Father's will for each of us is that we might have life. He loved us so much that He gave His Son for us. The Son perfectly accomplished the Father's will. He's covered our sins, and He offers new life to anyone who would come to the light. Let's pray. 
Father, I'll admit that sometimes it's hard to grasp what you have done for us. Father, in our broken hearts and minds, as best we can, we want to say thank you. And we want to say that we love you. We want to live our lives for you. And so I ask that you would fill us with your spirit and help us to go seek others who need to hear your saving Lord Jesus, we ask that you would go with us today. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hymn number 43.